Hello and welcome to the Thriving Three Counties podcast with me, Dan Barker. Conversations with inspiring business people throughout the three counties of Herefordshire, Worcestershire and Gloucestershire. And now it's time for today's episode. I hope you enjoy the show. Okay, hello and welcome to this episode of the Thriving Three Counties podcast. I'm Dan Barker and I'm online today with our guest. He's an entrepreneur based in Hereford. He has two bricks and mortar retail outlets in Herefordshire and two large online retail outlets as well. Uh, he is Luke Connard of Denim Nation. Hi, Luke. How are you doing? Oh, I'm very well, Dan. Yourself? Yeah, yeah. Good, thank you. Thank you very much for coming on, first of all. Oh, an absolute pleasure. And thank you for enabling me to do this virtually in uh, the what I suppose is the, the new way of working. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, no, it's uh, it's good to uh, good to try this out, and uh, it seems to be working well so far. So, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, having read a bit of your bio and uh, seeing what you've been up to in the last twenty years, it's it's quite a lot. <laughs> so, uh, we'll, uh, we'll we'll get stuck in. First of all, um, best place for people to find you, I think, is your Denim Nation website. Is that right? Uh, yes, yeah. Uh, the denimnation.co.uk would be uh, sort of the, the website that, that sort of has all the information about, about all our uh, both online and on, offline businesses. Um, but personally, to find me, it would just search Luke Connod on either Facebook or LinkedIn. Okay, excellent. Cool. Um, right, so let's uh, let's take you back then. You're, you you sent me a bio which said that you started out. Um, you were born and raised in Hereford, first of all, and then you you, you sort of got into entrepreneurship um, around the age of eleven when you were you were dabbling with marigolds. Is that right? That's absolutely correct, and that's not the ones you <laughs> use for doing the washing up. <laughs> um, I, I was very. We actually lived um, uh, between Lempster and Ludlow in a little village called Alton. Um, okay. And uh, well, technically, just outside there, actually. And um, we were very fortunate that that uh, because we lived in the middle of nowhere, which uh, as a, a teenager isn't a great thing to do. You have to cycle five miles to, to see your nearest friend, as it were. Um, <laughs> uh, but um, we we had a big garden, um, so uh, I'd always been sort of keen pottering around with, with helping Dad in the garden, uh, and yeah. it was just at the time. Uh, when car boot sales started um, okay. and car boot sales were the eBay of their generation actually if you think about it um, yeah, and true. I was uh, growing uh, some plants for the garden uh, marigold plants as it, as it says French and African and yeah. um, we had a surplus of those um, so uh, dad and I went one Sunday morning to a uh, one of the first uh, sort of car boot sales and, and sold these and yeah. as you can imagine um these these small marigold plants that i'd been growing and and literally cost probably pennies to grow because i wasn't counting my labor in i was able to yeah. sell for a pound a tray and so right, i yeah. sort of came home with 30 or 40 pounds and thought oh, this is uh, this is this is quite nice um <laughs> so <laughs> that, that grew uh, so Obviously, uh, marigolds aren't something, uh, well, any, any um, horticultural product isn't something that you can instantly get more of for the next week. Um, so yeah. uh, 
over the next sort of nine months, I, you know, expanded, bought a polytunnel, uh, very controversial, but there weren't many polytunnels in those days. <laughs> and it was only a small one. We're not talking, you know, a thousand square yeah. meters or something like this. Uh, yeah. and, and I sort of expanded my growing operation to both marigolds, pansies, lupins, um, and uh, the next year, we started selling those at every weekend at car boot sales. Um, oh, wow. And uh, this was before sort of the food traders were at car boot sales and, and probably before uh, the health and hygiene people were at car boot sales as well. So uh, <laughs> there, there was no way of buying anything to eat at the car boot sale. Uh, and so, right, okay. yeah, so I started uh, making rolls. Uh, you know, ham and cheese rolls the day before uh, and bought some uh, cans of drink and some sweets and crisps uh, and uh, started selling these alongside my marigolds. Obviously, as you can see, there's a, a little bit of a health and hygiene, having soil and plants <laughs> on the same table as uh, Phil's rolls, but they were wrapped, wrapped in cling film. And uh, oh, right, so that <laughs> that protected them from everything and of course keep them kept them perfectly chilled in the baking hot sun as well <laughs> so um so so anyway started selling those uh, and then um uh, i had all these crisp sweets and pot that we were only selling uh, at the weekend uh, and yeah. i thought well, this is a uh, you know it's bound to be a way of making some money uh, in the in the um in the week and uh, mm. these were the days of uh, you can probably remember as well as i do a tuck shop at school where you could actually get oh, yeah. yeah lots of unhealthy things to eat you know not like a, <laughs> a carrot or a banana or something like that you know there's fantastic <laughs> sugary filled drinks and you know sugar rushes left right and center uh, but the tuck <laughs> shop was never very well run, so it never had any stock in. Um, okay. And the vending machines were always empty. And so I thought, oh, I'll, I'll uh, rent three lockers uh, off um, three friends of mine uh, yeah. and um, had these three lockers. So every break time, morning and afternoon, um, I would open my lockers up and sell my wares, as it were. Um, okay. This went very well uh, until the school shut us down. Um, it was a bit like a motorway services i suppose you just couldn't open up um you know two minutes down the road from the 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 posh service station so uh yeah but that was okay because when we got to sixth form my mate uh, dean and i took over the tuck shop anyway so um it was all fine but that if you like i suppose gave me the first taste of working for myself Mm-hmm. Um, and it went on from there, really. I, I did a, an amazing retail apprenticeship. I'm, do you remember Woolworths? I do indeed, yeah. Yeah, everyone remembers Woolies, and I think they're probably, um, although they messed it up, it was totally their fault as a business that it shut down because um, they didn't move you know, with the times. Um, it, everyone misses Woolies, really. Um, yeah. And so I, I did a fantastic retail apprenticeship in the early 90s, um with Woolworths had some amazing okay. bosses my um boss in Lempster uh, Eileen Creswell who um was a real um what's, what's the word a real taskmaster but exactly right. what you want yeah. to to train you in doing everything exactly properly um yeah. so after I'd done three months sweeping the stockroom and it was of good enough quality I was then promoted to sweeping, sweeping the shop floor <laughs> um, and that's how that's how I suppose that's how my career in retail started. 
I then sort of worked for uh, various different other retailers, um, a selection of clothing retailers and general merchandise. Um, and then myself and mum and dad and my sister um, bought the jean station store in Hereford uh, back on April the 1st, 2001. So 20 okay. years this April the 1st. Okay, wow. Um, so it's a big year for you this year then. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yes, our 20th anniversary. We're coming of age. Oh, no, is that 18 Excellent. actually? Could be 18. <laughs> I'm not sure. Well, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, definitely 20 years ago, I had uh, a surfeit of hair. And uh, now, as you saw earlier, the only hair I have is on my beard. It's moved down. <laughs> it has slipped down, yes. <laughs> okay, excellent. So um, when when you started out, then, it sounds like you had a kind of natural, you know, entrepreneurial gene or spirit or something. You know, you, you kind of straight into it by the sounds of it. Is that something that was um, passed down to you from parents or grandparents? Or, you know, how did that come about, do you think? Yeah, definitely. Um, my mum's side of the family, um, probably quite controversially, I suppose, had cotton mills in Egypt back in the sort oh, of wow. uh, early part of the 20th century. Um, right, okay. And so they they were always sort of entrepreneurs, as it happens in the rag trade. They got kicked out in the 50s um, yeah. when all the Greek expats were kicked out by, by the regime at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my um, my dad's side of the family uh, have always been in farming, but um, my dad's cousin had a, um, uh, a garage in Leominster, still has actually. Uh, so my, my cousin right. uh, got Connod's garage in Leominster at the top. And okay. uh, when we had family dues, um, he he always used to uh, turn up in a brand new Range Rover. Uh, it was a Range Rover <laughs> Classic at the time. Anyone that knows sort of Range Rovers, it was uh, uh, it was the old one. The bits fell off mostly, um, but just you know, at the time, you know, Range Rover Classic and Rover three thousand five hundred Vitesse. You know, they were the cars to have. And he so he and, and my uncle Harry would always turn up to family dues in these big cars and always had amazing business stories to tell. Uh, and okay. my mum and dad were both teachers, uh, with, um, right. and, um, apart, uh, and always had nightmare stories to tell about teaching. Um, right. The, okay. You know, misbehaving kids of which I was never the best child at school, I can assure you. Um, <laughs> But uh, I just could never see myself um, teaching these pain-in-the-backside kids like I was. Um, And so, yeah, I went went into it. You know, most of our family were sort of doctors or teachers, so the dirty world of business, I suppose. Um, But, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, as as with anyone that works for themselves, you'll know that there are – uh, as, as with yourself, you, you know there are massive highs and massive lows, um, but it's it's the freedom of working for yourself in sort of um, plotting your own course, I suppose, and, and in charge yeah, of your yeah. own destiny. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So it, it, it sounds like you were inspired by those those stories from your your uncle coming in, and it was a bit like, have you read uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad by? Um, uh, I haven't read it. No, my partner's read it, um, but okay, uh, yeah. yeah, I haven't. Read yeah, it. So it sounds a little bit like that, where he had uh, he had his 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 friend's dad who was who was very wealthy, and he had his dad who was um, who worked for the government, I think, in the states, and um, oh, okay. he had the kind of two influences, and um, 
sort of learnt from both of them but decided which which way to go it sounds a little bit like that where you were hearing these stories from your uncle and kind of decided that sounds a bit more exciting yeah and I think that was actually was although um I was very fortunate to have um the, both uh, the steer from my mum and dad and my mum's still alive now and still you know points me in the right direction as mothers do um yeah, and uh, still is there when you know there's a crisis and and uh helps out and uh you know <laughs> comes every saturday <laughs> my partner and i bought a pub just recently you may think that's a little bit of an unusual thing to buy during a pandemic but uh, <laughs> at the bottom of the market is absolutely the best time to buy anything yeah absolutely uh mum comes uh every saturday uh and uh, folds the um towels the tea towels and wraps up the cutlery um, oh, so fantastic. she's still there to sort of uh, make sure that I'm doing everything as it should be done. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Okay. But yes, yeah, so I had so, the influence yeah. of mum and dad, which which was fantastic. And mum, yeah. bear in mind, mum and dad's family, although they were both teachers, they'd both been in business all their lives because dad's family was a farming family. So um, right. he was, uh, he told me the stories um, during the war because uh, they were based um, uh, literally at a little village called I, which is just on the way to uh, Ludlow from Lempster. And they had mm. the uh, German troops uh, staying at um, uh, Barrington Hall. Um, okay. And as they were a farming family, they obviously had a surfeit of uh, eggs and milk and cream and all those type of things. So they were able to go and um, swap those for chocolate and all the other bits that they couldn't get. So there was sort of, right. there's always been a, <laughs> if you like, a bartering businessy type um, thing running through our family, if you like. Yeah, sure. Okay, so yeah, it all makes sense then that you uh, yeah. you spotted the marigold uh, gap in the market and uh, went for it then. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> at the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah cool, cool. Yeah. No, you can't that's what, that, that's can't what they say, isn't it? You've got to spot a, mar- a gap in the market and get in yeah. and get out before everyone else gets into the market. <laughs> that's the key. No. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now they're all selling uh, plants at, at car beat sales, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, everyone's, so, um, uh, you know, I mean, you look at eBay now, I mean, and, and Amazon to a certain extent, because a lot of retailers sell on Amazon as well. And um, yeah. the business model of peer-to-peer selling um, yeah. is absolutely huge. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you're right, it did all start with car boot sales, didn't it? And they, they yeah. were great fun. I used to love going to car boot sales. Yeah, <laughs> it was the first, if you think about no. it, it was the first time you could actually sell your own product to the general public as just a, a board walking in from your, your house, basically. Um, yeah. Because the, yeah. the things before were bring and buy sales, weren't they, for churches and schools and things like that. But you weren't getting any of the money there. I mean, it was it was great to be able to bring things to those to support the community. But actually, yeah. personally, there, there was no way of getting anything for your old stuff, as it were. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, it's, and what uh, do they say? One man's junk is another man's treasure or something, I think. That's a, <laughs> yeah, we, uh, the challenge for us was always um, not coming back from the car boot sale with more than you went with. If you oh, that, that's the biggest <laughs> challenge, isn't it? I, I'm like that. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I have to ban myself from going to um, to auctions um, because yeah. um, you always end up with a load of stuff that you didn't really need. Um, <laughs> yeah, And you've always got carried away in the room, haven't you, and, and paid a bit more than you should have done. And 
Yeah, yeah. So yeah. after you've kind of, um, you know, gone through this this period of experimenting, you know, yourself and, and buying, you know, selling plants and food and all sorts of things, you then went into to retail and, and did a kind of apprenticeship. Uh, is that right, an apprenticeship with Woolworths? Yeah, absolutely. That's um, exactly it. I, so I, what, I was, what, what kind of, um, you know, made you take that decision? Because on one, on one side of thing, it sounds like, you know, it's difficult to go from, working for yourself, which you effectively were, to working for someone else. But on the other hand, it also sounds like a, a very sensible decision to go and get some some real training from, you know, people that know what they're doing, I suppose. Absolutely. And as a, um, and of, co- uh, of course, looking back in hindsight, I think actually that's a really logical thing to do. Uh, but that wasn't really the reason why I did it. Um, basically, whilst I was sort of um, when I was 14 you were then able to, to have a Saturday job so I got a Saturday job working for Woolworths in Leominster um, whilst okay. I was at school and doing the plants and things like that um, yeah. and then when it came to sort of uh, 16 I had the choice of doing A-levels or an NVQ which was a brand new thing at the time um, in yeah. business and so I thought I Mum and dad were keen for me to do the A-levels and go to university. I was keen um, to do the NVQ and learn more about business. Um, so mm-hmm. we had a compromise that we, I could do the NVQ and the two A-levels. Um, right. And as it happened during, during those two years, I realised that I wasn't really up for doing the A-levels, as in probably intelligence-wise and commitment-wise. Um, right. But I loved doing the NVQ and I really enjoyed my Saturday job. Um, so what yeah. I ended up doing was probably whilst being at, at sixth form in inverted commas uh, in Lemster, I was doing sort of about 24, 25 hours a week at Woolworths um, mm-hmm. and doing my NVQ. Uh, and then when it came to the end of my NVQ, Woolworths had started this management training scheme. Um, so okay. I literally just sort of fell into it, really, I suppose. Um, right, okay. Yeah, and uh, I worked in Woolworths and Nemster. Then, then I moved to the Hereford store um, when um, when it was just being refurbished, and they were moving the music and video side of things to the ground floor. And it was just when CDs—I'm showing my age now—CDs and videos <laughs> had become popular. So, talking okay, early nineties yeah. now. So it was. Yeah. They, they say you know Netflix is a revolution in video, and Spotify is a revolution in music. But there have been revolutions all through the time, whether it be the you know, the, yeah. the vinyl record or the tape or the CD <laughs> or whatever. Uh, and so I just literally took on the job of running the music and video just at this moment. And right. so okay. um, turned it from a £200,000 a year business to a million pound a year business. Now, okay, well. I'm sure I'm sure a little bit of that was down to my, um, you know, uh, business acumen and, and merchandising and things like that. But a lot of it was down yeah. to market forces, as we said earlier. We're right yeah. place at the right time. <laughs> yeah, sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. Okay. So, what, what what kind of things? I mean, apart from the market forces side of it, what kind of things did you do at that time? To, you know, what what, what do you think was your biggest contribution to that increase? Oh, um, so basically. It was the standards, to be honest. So it was making sure that, I know it sounds daft, but it was making Mm. sure that everything was in alphabetical order, uh, both behind the counter, but also in front of the counter. So that 
the customer could actually find what they were looking for. Because if you were looking for a, a, a Phil Collins uh, CD um, yeah. and the alphabetical order was atrocious so no one had tidied the counters, you'd never find it so you couldn't buy it. But worse okay. still, if you then yeah. found the Phil Collins CD and came to the counter and um, and then uh, uh, they couldn't find the CD to go in the outer. Um, yeah. uh, These were in the days of when you kept the CDs behind. Um, <laughs> then they, you couldn't sell it. Um, so it was yeah. all about what I. My key thing I learned was about standards, um, okay. and you know, making sure that the store, the standards were superb. It was a clean, light, airy, and invite, inviting environment. Um, mm. The product was well merchandised. The colleagues were there to uh, take the money from you. So there's nothing worse when you go into a shopper's zone. There's a massive queue. Um, yeah. <laughs> you don't see it nowadays because retail is so much better at doing this. But, um, yeah. yeah, you know, that, so that you, you you instantly got someone else to open another till if, if there was a queue. Uh, all these yeah. little things. And, that you know, it, it is all – any business is about the detail and, and the customer experience – um, mm-hmm. it doesn't, doesn't matter what anyone else is doing in business. The, the one person that you have to focus on is the customer. Um, yeah. you know, there's yeah. an old, people dress it up in different ways nowadays, but there's an old saying that I learned when I started in retail. Um, the customer is always right. Yeah. Uh, and okay. as long as yeah, you yeah. just, you know, whatever the customer wants, um, that they are the person that's paying our wages. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Okay. Okay. Can I can I just uh, ask you like yeah apart from that like what does that really mean to you like can you give us a bit more sort of information about you know how how you see that playing Absolutely. out I, well, I can I yeah. put that into our um in into sort of in the modern day of of trading online so our mm-hmm. online uh, buy jeans business does what it says on the tin we sell all the yeah. sort of main brands of jeans um yeah there was a, a customers want uh, the the jeans to be delivered in the length uh, that they actually want them in. So not every customer is a 30-inch leg, a 32-inch leg, a 34-inch leg. Some customers are a 27-inch leg. Some customers are a 31-inch leg. Now, Mm -hmm. um, we launched about 10, 12 years ago now, I suppose, on our website, the option for the customers to be able to pick the exact leg length they want from a 27-inch leg length to a 36-inch leg length. And they have to pay a little bit extra. Um, But we will tailor those jeans beautifully with our in-house tailors to their size, and they will be delivered to their door in the actual size they want. So all that's about is just making sure that whatever the customer wants, we're we're able to offer it. Mm. Um, And that's very simply putting in to a modern retailing environment, a very classic, traditional um, thing that your grandfather or my grandfather would have naturally expected when he went into a tailor's, that the tailor would automatically, um, you know, make sure that the product fitted before they left the store. Yeah, yeah, okay, interesting. So, and and I guess that also gives you a a point of difference because something like jeans, I suppose, is you know it's essentially a commodity so Absolutely. it's giving you that point of difference um, yeah, we, between the other retailers we still are only the, the uh, we're the only retailer uh, online that offers this service in the uk really yeah. is that right wow yeah 
You can see, okay. it's interesting. You can see other retailers trying to catch up now, and, and Levi's as a brand have recently yeah. started to, to do this over the last few years in their own stores again. So you can go into a Levi's store, and part of the mm-hmm. experience is to have your your jeans customized and tailored for you while you're in store, which which is fantastic. It's amazing, isn't it, how we go from the sort of original retail experience, like you said, with our grandfathers, and then we kind of transition gradually to this sort of, I don't know, mass market of people buying, you know, buying online and everything. And then it starts to go back to that, you know, that original experience and sort of tailoring it literally to to customers' needs. Absolutely. There is no new thing in retailing. On online retailing it's a different medium we do it in front of a computer screen now but buying Mm. from catalogs which that's all a website is an online catalog really has been something people have been doing for for generations um the 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 idea of retail the idea of sort of uh you, you know a customer coming to you wanting to buy something and 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 you selling it to them uh is no different to to how it's been for for thousands of years it's just we're using new mediums uh for to sort of uh for the customer to to interact with us basically um yeah and i've always believed that you know wherever our customers are that that's where we need to be as a business yeah yeah okay okay all right so let's um Let's carry on then from uh, from where you are at Woolworths. Um, so how, how long were you at Woolworths for? So I was at Woolworths for about five years. Okay. So I left Woolworths and then uh, did a short spell in recruitment, which again was really <laughs> interesting, actually. Um, yeah. It was recruitment for quality assurance engineers for the motor industry, believe it or not. Right, um, okay. Completely yeah. different then. Yeah, totally, <laughs> yeah. What yeah. took you from Woolworths? Where it sounds like you were really enjoying yourself at Woolworths, but what then? What then? What takes you into recruitment? Uh, I don't know. I think I just I, at the time I think I would fancied a change. I wanted to try something different. Um, yeah. I, I I think as you go through different parts in your life, I still don't really know what I want to do. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I even now, I mean, the, the fortunate thing about you know working for yourself is actually you can do different things. And um, yeah, I still, you know, um, with our our businesses nowadays, although we have our retail business, I sort of uh, involved with a, a number of other businesses as well that are, that are extremely diverse and nothing to do with retail. Um, and it's what makes life interesting I think variety absolutely yeah yeah I I completely agree with you yeah so I did sort of a short spell um, I think it was about two or three years in recruitment that was really enjoyable and then then I went back to retail uh, and I was an area manager for a company called John Cheetle uh, which were a clothing retailer uh, based up in uh, Leicestershire Uh, and I was looking after their stores uh, so Hereford was one of their stores, the, the Jean Station store in Hereford. Uh, okay. And uh, they had one in Worcester and Banbury and sort of down towards London. So I w- was looking after those. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, uh, the, the, uh, the the chairman, uh, who, who was Nick Cheetle at the time, uh, they were looking at downsizing their business uh, back to sort of uh, East Midlands. Uh, so mm-hmm. he, he said to myself and another um, uh, one of the management team. Uh, we've got two stores that are for sale: uh, the Hereford store 
and uh, there was one down in Essex as well. So the one chap bought the Essex store. I, I uh, bought the Hereford store. Uh, and yeah. so that was, again, it was a leg up um, from someone else, really. Uh, I don't think right. I would have necessarily um, had that opportunity working for any other retailer. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I went to uh, mum and dad and said, look, I've got this opportunity. Um, dad had just retired from teaching at the time, so he just had his okay. lump sum payment. So, again, right. it was the right moment. Uh, and mum yeah. and dad invested that money uh, and we bought the Jean Station store in Hereford, and that was on April the 1st, 2001, so 20 years ago this year. Okay, all right, so fantastic. Okay. So was your mum still teaching at that time, did you say? Yeah, my uh, dad had just retired, and mum was still That's teaching. Fun. Yeah, she, she okay. was still uh, deputy head at, at Webley, and dad had just retired yeah. as head teacher from Scudamore. So. Okay, yeah, yeah. And... Did, did they take some convincing at that stage or were they kind of like, yeah, let's do this straight uh, away? I can't remember exactly, but it seemed to be a very smooth process because I said to them about it in the January and we bought it by the April. Um, so I don't right. think they needed too much of the hard sell, to be fair. Um, no, no. Uh, and and okay, that's, yeah. that, that my parents have always, uh, I've been very fortunate to have amazing parents that always stand behind you, even at yeah. the moment where you may not have got it necessarily quite right, which, you know, yeah. happens, happens every so often. Happens uh, but they're always, <laughs> you know, always there to, yeah, stand behind you. Uh, okay, amazing. Yeah, yeah, because uh, I, I suppose, again, going back to their sort of parents' backgrounds and they, they had that influence already, but because on the face of it, kind of going from, you know, what, what I suppose is a relatively safe job in teaching to, you know, investing in a business that a son is starting up is, is quite a, a step change isn't it oh massive it's massive uh, setting up any business is massively high risk yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. i mean dad yeah. had just retired so uh, he wasn't sort of going and mum stayed in teaching um for a yeah. while longer so um but yeah it, it, he was risking his you know um lump sum payment his his you know his uh, he oh uh, on uh, oh, he was risking his lump sum payment on sort of uh, what is high risk, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, any yeah. business is high risk. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay, so um, at that stage, there's just a shop. Um, that's what you've bought as a business. That's that's just one shop then, basically. Or was there any on- yeah, online? Yeah, yeah. Ba- um, so basically, the jean station store it had on the ground floor, we sold jeans, and on the first floor, we sold school uniform. Um, okay. But I had been working for uh, Cheetle since 1997 on their website, uh, transactional uh, website, which in 1997 was, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so when we opened the uh, Jean Station store, uh, we opened mm. immediately with our Buy Jeans website. Um, okay, so at the right. same moment we opened the store, we opened online. Um, yeah. And in 2001, that was that, tickled along quite nicely for a couple of uh, years till 2003 and was sort of generating a similar turnover to the store's turnover at the time. Uh, And then, if you like, in 2003, um, there was this, well, there was this little search engine um, that came out, I think it was end of um, the 20th century, called Google. You may have heard of them. (laughs) 
Um, and they started selling advertising space in 2003 on the top of their search engine. So for the first okay, few years, yeah. it literally was a search engine. You go on there and search, and it would point you in the direction of websites. Yeah, um, yeah. And then, then you had the ability to buy a little advert at the top when there's someone searched for jeans. It was that simple at the time. Uh, when someone yeah. searched for jeans, your advert would, would, would appear. Um, yeah. And we were probably one of the first, if not the first, um, independent retailer to, to start using Google AdWords. Or It was called something oh, else wow. at the time, but it's called Google AdWords. Yeah. It's probably called something yeah. else now, actually, but anyway. Um, <laughs> but we were one of the first retailers to use that, so it was really cheap at the time, and yeah. you were pointing uh, the customers to your front door. So this little shop in Hereford uh, was able to advertise to the whole of the country, and it was up there yeah. at the top, because this was before Debenhams and House of Fraser and ASOS and uh, and all the brands had their own websites. This, you know, So this yeah, little store yeah. in Hereford... Uh, and our turnover went up tenfold in three years. Um, wow. So <laughs> massive growth. But that comes with its problems as well. Massive growth yeah. comes with big logistical problems and staffing problems and making sure that growth is profitable. Um, yeah. You know, there, there were the, the problems that came with that sort of growth as well. So, yeah, our business changed from something that took 300000 a year to something that was taking over three half million pounds a year um wow. so a reasonably sizable business at the time um yeah. and we uh, tickled along nicely with our buy jeans business we then launched our school uniform um shop uh, online business as well probably in about 2006 and again we were selling no it's probably, no, it probably about 2004 actually we were selling school uniform online before any of the other retailers had, had you know, I started doing it. There was no M&S right. selling school online, no Tesco, no Asda, you know, none wow. of the other boys were doing it. Um, right. And so uh, and so that was growing really well as well because we were the only person in the market. Um, yeah. And then, uh, as you can imagine, everyone else came into the market. Um, don't forget, at this point, Amazon was only selling books and CDs. Yeah, um, yeah, sure. Yeah. And uh, then sort of 2008, um, Amazon started to broaden the depth of product they sold, um, which at first included dealing direct with the the big jeans brands. Um, Mm. And so uh, sort of, and of course there was the recession as well when the banks had lent every man man, and literally every man and their dog (laughs) money to buy a house. Um, yeah. and I think even some dogs in the US they lent they lent money to buy a house. <laughs> I think someone I, I believe uh, right. if, if the story is correct that people have put their dogs' names down on the mortgage. Sounds correct um, to me. <laughs> yeah. And so the you know that that uh, we had the the crash, um, yeah. and combined with the crash uh, where banks weren't lending money, we had. Um, the uh, Amazon starting to sell everything. And at this point, we had um, the school uniform shop as a separate standalone unit in Hereford. Um, mm-hmm. We had our jeans station. Still, no, we, we'd moved to our fit store then. Um, mm-hmm. And we also had 12 concessions uh, around the country. Right. So we've got a concession still in labels at Ross and Y. Uh, but we mm-hmm. had concessions as far south as Dover, as far north as Hexham, and even over into Northern Ireland as well. Um, so right, we had this okay. 
sort of um, re- you know relatively sizable business, um, and we had to contract that and reinvent ourselves um, to make ourselves still relevant. So we got yeah. rid of all our concessions apart from the labels one. Uh, kept right. our two Hereford stores and kept our websites, but that was at the point where we uh, introduced the tailoring onto the website to give us, as you said rightly earlier, that unique selling point to the customer okay. so that we had right. something different from you know buying on Amazon, buying from everywhere else that you could buy jeans from at the time. Okay, right, interesting. I, I can imagine it must have been a kind of slightly scary time then when you see Amazon starting up and selling the, the the very same product that you're selling absolutely oh uh, massively and it wasn't you know uh, uh, it, it was a massively frightening time and it's not just thinking it was frightening it's looking at what happens to the sales figures as well yes so yeah. they you know 30 percent of our online business disappeared over the space of two years wow um and so that that is um very very challenging to be able to manage that reduction in turnover uh and manage that and as a small business make sure you're still paying your bills and um looking after your colleagues um uh, and things like that so yeah um that that is extremely challenging to do yeah yeah out out of interest do you kind of uh, sell through Amazon or anything like that at, at nowadays, or is it just you know your own retail outlets online that you use? We do do a little bit with uh, Amazon and eBay. Yeah, we use um, Amazon particularly for clearance. So th- okay. this year, for right. example, with the store being shut quite a bit, um, we've been able to use Amazon as a channel to clear old product from the store, basically. Um, so it's okay. been a really useful channel um, to use. But yeah, we don't. We don't sell standard pairs of jeans on on Amazon anymore um, because it, it's it, it's not it's not cost effective. Basically, um, yeah. you know that the price is pushed down quite a lot on Amazon, um, and you also have to pay you know the Amazon fees, which actually are quite expensive for clothing retailers. Um, right. So for us, it, it's not profitable. So we use it as a clearance method, and it's really useful for that. Um, but but yeah, that's a, that's the only way we use it. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, Interesting. I was something the other yeah. day, a podcast the other day, uh, with people um, who are, their whole business is based around uh, Amazon um, and how Amazon treat them and how it's sort yeah. of like being a drug addict, the one chap was saying, um, <laughs> that you want to get off this drug, but you can't. Um, so yeah. for us, I think we were really fortunate that we, you know, at how we started originally was our own website. So... If you like our, I think it's about 170, 180,000 customers are actually our customers. Um, yeah, they're not, they're yeah. not, you know, for argument's sake, they're not Amazon's customers and we just sell to them. Yeah, absolutely. I was, I was chatting to someone about that just in terms of um, like using LinkedIn the other day for your marketing and everything. And, yeah. you know, how if one of these platforms just changes the rules or decides that you've done something you know, outside of the terms and they shut you down, that's, that's your whole business gone overnight, isn't it? Oh, 100%. Absolutely. And they have the power to do that, don't they? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's, yeah, really, um, I think that's really important. Going back to, um, you know, it sounds like you were very good at being an early adopter of things like Google AdWords. 
and I mean, even the internet, <laughs> it sounds like you were, you were there right at the beginning. And I'm, I'm always just like, I, I don't really count myself as a sort of early adopter. I think I'm a bit rubbish at adopting new things early on. So I'm always fascinated by people that have that vision and that ability to see that and just, and, and say, right, that looks, that looks like a, a good thing. Let's do it. What, what do you think, um, sort of, you know, made you decide to go with the Google AdWords early on at that stage? Could you just see it as a as the thing that it that it clearly was? I mean, how 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 good it was, how good the opportunity yeah, well, it was. Just- it just seemed totally logical because basically, as a salesman, the thing you want is to appear first above all your competition. So Google yeah. AdWords gave us that ability. Basically, there was a list of or what they you know what we call now organic search, which we were all in, and we were doing yeah. quite well on that. We were near the top, but we weren't at the top. So right. to pay for an ad, I was able to be at the top and in the organic search. So I had, if you like, I was there waving waving higher and harder than all the competition <laughs> yeah yeah okay so you just yeah you, I, just I, I guess maybe it's your, your yeah. sales background and everything I, I suppose you're in that that mindset of that's where we need to be to be seen first yeah. it's that yeah. thing of we want to be my you know we want to be where our customers want us to be so if you know uh, we if our, wherever our customer is, we need to be there, basically. And I suppose if you look at it, yeah. that, that really comes back to the car boot sales, I kind of suppose, because that's yeah. where the customers were. So we drove the car to them and sold to them. Yeah. yeah. You know, so that, it, you could go back to this. Uh, uh, someone I always look up to in business, and you may have heard of him. He's called Del Trotter. <laughs> and if, yes. if you think about it, yeah, and <laughs> I, I quite like what he stands for because actually, um, his family and his friends always come first. And he always, yeah. if you look at all the Only Fools and Horses episodes, actually, yes, it's about him selling a couple of dodgy shirts for or some dodgy uh, nylons from a, uh, a suitcase in the market. Um, yeah. But but actually, his the, the most important things to him are his family and his friends. But from yeah. a customer point of view, he is always there to the sell to the customer where they want to buy. Quite often in right. a lot of the episodes, they didn't realize they wanted to buy a watch that played the national anthems of 36 countries <laughs> when they were in the pub having a pint. However, you know, um, from a retailing point of view, the key for a retailer is you need to be where, where the customer wants to buy and online is where the customer wants to buy. Yeah, yeah, okay. That's really that's uh, as I say. I, I'm uh, I'm fascinated because you always started your you know your journey a lot sooner than I did. I was I, I don't know if you know I was in aerospace engineering before I went into oh, photography. Wow. Um, so no sales, no marketing or anything. Um, you know, just just sat doing analysis work, mm-hmm. really. Um, and so yeah, I'm kind of coming into into the business and learning you know learning all the sales and marketing thing. Uh, you know, a, a bit later. So it's really yeah. interesting for me to sort of hear how you, um, you know, how you think, I suppose, and how, how your experiences, I suppose, have molded and shaped the way you, you think and see the opportunities. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I suppose no. so. Yeah, I mean, it, it just, it's all, I, I just think I'd keep going back to it, but it is, it's absolutely what we believe in as as a business. It is all about the customer. Um, yeah. You've got to think 
you know, as a customer, what is the customer? What does the customer want? And you've got to be able to um, give the customer what they want, basically. Yeah, but, you know, you know, there's the things that always stick in my mind for my sort of when you know uh, my old bosses Clive and Eileen were sort of telling me, and it was the old things that the customer is always right, the customer is king, and retail is detail. Those are those three sayings, and they're nice. you know, <laughs> and they're absolutely right. And it, it, you know, um, it is about getting the detail right uh, and remembering yeah. remembering that the customer is the person that pays the bills. Yeah, absolutely. Without the customer, we have no business. Yeah. Cool. Retail is detail. I think that's a good. Uh, I yeah. like that. Yeah, <laughs> it's not my saying, but it's no, no. drilled into me. No, no. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. Well, I think that's probably a, a good place to end. I feel like we could probably carry on chatting for hours, but um, I'm sure you've got plenty to do <laughs> today. <laughs> Maybe we'll uh, we'll do this again sometime. But um, yeah. So best places for people to find you we've got denimnation.co.uk and then um you're, you're quite active on linkedin i think aren't you as yeah. luke connard um okay. so i'll put those i'll put those links in the show notes um and yeah finally just thank you so much for you know your time and, and everything there's some real gems of wisdom in there certainly for me and i'm sure for lots of other people so so thank you for being so generous with all that no not at all thank you for um taking the time to speak to me this morning Dan. no it's, it's been a pleasure thanks a lot luke Take care. You've been listening to the Thriving Three Counties podcast with me, Dan Barker. You can find links to all the episodes and show notes over at danbarkerstudios.com forward slash podcast. If you've enjoyed today's show, please head over to iTunes and leave us a review. It helps other people find the show and connect more people in the region. Thank you very much for your time listening. I hope you've enjoyed it and we'll see you next time.